welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, Near Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 2, which is titled Something New. The episode aired on October 2nd, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Well, the Australian government's gun buyback program ends, resulting in 640,000 guns being removed from circulation. It's just that easy, folks. Just doesn't, but it doesn't work. It won't work. Um, the WNBA announces its next league expansion as teams will be added in Detroit and Washington, D.C. The Peacemaker, starring our very own George Clooney as well as Nicole Kidman, debuts at the number one spot on the box office. And Honey by Mariah Carey concludes its three-week run atop the music charts. Daniel, what else is on? George was a busy boy that, that year. Holy shit. He really was. Um, what else was on? That evening at 8 p.m., Friends checked in with the episode The One with the Cat. At 8.30 p.m., our new show that debuted last week, Union Square, uh, had the episode The Audition. This, if you'll recall, we talked about this last week. This is where they, uh, the first episode was so poorly received that they recast the main lead and reformatted almost the entire show. So, great first impression, Union Square. Woo! <laughs> at 9 p.m., Seinfeld had the episode The Voice. And at 9.30 p.m., Veronica's Closet had the episode Veronica's Woman Friend. This week's episode... Yeah, right? This week's episode had 32.6 million viewers, down a full 10 million from last week's episode. So a lot of people were clearly swayed by the live episode gimmick. Um, but still, a very robust by 2021 standards, 32.6 million viewers tuning in. This week's episode is directed by Chris Chulock doing his 12th out of 43 episodes. And this week's episode is written by Lydia Woodward doing her 14th out of 27. And just very quickly before we get into the actual episode proper, we kind of buried this like in the middle and like towards the end of like the last episode. Uh, but I just want to do it at the top just for just a refresher because we kind of have forgotten to do this. But we do want to let all of you know that especially now going into this season, we are going to be discussing spoilers for a lot of laser, later season stuff because um, a lot of storylines are really coming together for our lead characters here that will be their storylines through the rest of their runs. So if you haven't already, the series is available on Hulu. You can also purchase it via Amazon or the DVDs or whatever. However you want to do it, we highly, highly, highly encourage you to go watch at least through seasons eight or nine before you start before you start giving us a listen. Because obviously we haven't met a lot of the characters that from the later seasons quite yet but um but yeah we just wanted to reiterate that for you folks that you know we are going to be talking more big picture yep. here and, on saying the tone and we'd love to have you but we want you to have your first watch behind you before yeah. you come back so we don't spoil any big reveals we'll be here chugging along right when you get back providing you hours of, of quality air quotes quality entertainment so. with that shall we get into the actual episode absolutely good take us in lauren uh previously on is brought to us by george clooney and we start with mark is in traffic headed to work it looks like he's probably around wabash based off the um loop that we can see and he nearly runs carter over carter starts screaming at the driver until he realizes it's mark um we find out mark does not park in the garage anymore and we also learn that Carter has his own med student coming in today. So, ah, uh, yes. 
Then we go, you know, honestly, though, if you if you almost get hit by your boss, I feel like I'd be even more mad. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Carter's Carter's a little bit of a kiss ass, too, though. So as soon as he realizes it's green, he's like, oh, it's fine. You could have hit me. It's no big deal. Especially since he's back to a year one and he's in Green's department now. Like, he's going to kiss ass a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Poor Carter. Um, Granted, he wanted this. True. He wanted this. Yep, we, yeah. we get into that a little bit later in the episode, too. Yeah. Um, but after that, we go over to our first audio clip. Um, Carrie is watching Morgan Stern with his, Morgan Stern with his ass hanging out. <laughs> which, not a bad ass. For William H. Macy. Yeah, for William H. Macy. You would you'd expect something. I don't know what you would expect, but it was better than what, what, what we had in mind. Um, he, for his ass hanging out as he finishes, as he's fishing for his TV remote. Hello? Dr. Morgan's turn? Yeah, come here, you. David! Well, guy has a tendency to get away from you. Whoop! Yeah, let me. There you go. Carrie Weaver. Katie Couric. Katie Couric. Carrie Weaver. So, David, how are you feeling? Morphine. Damn fine stuff. I talked to Dr. Weintraub today. She said they're tapering your lidocaine. Echo showed very little damage to your myocardium. Uh, I put the nitro patch here. Just as effective. Most doc put it on the patient's chest. I say, why tear out these little hairs if you don't have to? Uh, you know, I have some forms that Billing sent down for you to sign the CPT codes the attendings for last month. They're always sending me this junk. Forms, paperwork, duplicates, little perforated lines. Tear here. They must not have heard about your heart attack. If you want to look them over, I can send I them. I never look them over. I just sign them for me and send them back. You want me to sign them? I want you to sign everything. Send everything back. You don't mind if I step in and take over a little bit? Praise Allah, no. I don't mind telling you. Sometimes I have felt like a sheriff with no posse, like a general with no grunts in the field, like a lone shepherd high up on a hill, no sheepdog. I completely understand how you feel. You know, I'd like to Everywhere you look, there's sheep, sheep, sheep. Maybe it would be best if I stepped in and took over some of the administrative duties while you're recuperating. God bless you, Carrie Weaver. God bless you. Oh, where is this guy? I'm abs- where has he I'm been? absolutely here for stoned William H. Macy. Yeah, he's just so much fun. Anytime they let Morgan Stern just be a goof like this, yeah, it's so good. I also the little bit of the Scottish coming out did a little yeah. bit in the beginning of that. It's a little bit. I love him so much in this last two minutes. I had more enjoyment out of him in the last two minutes than I've had out of the last three seasons. Like he. Okay, so hear me out of this. I think I figured out how to fix Morgan Stern, like how we could have made Morgan Stern a more because later on in the show's run, like you know, we're talking like post season eight nine into the into the latter third of the show's run, they were less concerned with retaining the like sanctity of the doctor position. Like they were much more willing to have characters, i.e., a Morris or some of the other characters, and let them be funny and let them. Um, 
not only let them be funny, but but not afraid to show them as a little bit incompetent at times. Like show them as a little bit. And I think the way you could have fixed Morgenstern this whole time is if he'd have just been incompetent. Like if he'd have just kind of sucked at stuff and he was just the lovable boss who showed up every once in a while. He got to, he would be like the, the principal on a like high school sitcom. Like if he just yeah, showed yeah. up, was kind of bumbling, did a few things like I would have cared so much more about Morgan Stern than I do right now, because this, like I said, this is the most enjoyable he's been in three seasons and we're about to lose him and it sucks. So, so if they let him play William H. Macy in any other show. Exactly. Yes. Why did, why did you try to make William H. Macy anything other than William H. Macy is what I'm getting at. I love William H. Macy yeah. so much. Can we watch Mystery Men this weekend? Sure. Thank you. Um, but as I was saying at the top of the show, for spoilers, here's a big storyline intro for Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her maniacal rise to power. <laughs> Which some people have big problems with. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this will eventually lead to her being the chief of staff. That's very true. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. It kind of does start here. Yeah. Like... Yeah, this she gets her first taste of the administrative stuff that she kind of ends up desperately wanting yeah. after a while. I mean, she's and, desperately wanted it since she stepped on the show. Right, but, like she gets like her first real foray right. into that particular gets, role. Gets her first taste of, of power of the more. It's like still because like obviously in the position she's been in, she's still been a doctor first, right. but now like being an administrator is where she really shines. Yeah, you know, in her eyes. As a, as a career woman, I didn't realize it started this early. I could have sworn so this was next it. season. I'm so here for it. Yeah, it's baby steps into it though. I think so. Yeah, because like... I don't think she actually becomes like true chief of the at least chief of the ER. I think it's either season six, maybe. Or... Maybe. Yeah. We've I been don't... wrong about when everything takes place so far. <laughs> so why start she, now? She's on this show for so goddamn long. That's hard to remember the yeah. timing of everything second, for her. Second only to Carter in appearances. Yeah. That's that's wild. Um, but then we get, guys, we're here. It's happening. <laughs> Carol is waking up in bed. She's looking for Doug. And he comes in and he's made her breakfast in bed. He brings her a huge thing on a tray. And she thought he left after they had spent the night together. And Doug starts like saying, okay, Carol, I really want to talk to you about something like this. You know, you used to say I didn't communicate enough. And Carol goes, well, now you're communicating too much. Um, (laughs) But he asks for a drawer at her place. He wants a little bit of consistency. He wants like some permanence. He wants to be able to to be able to stay and like not have to run out in the morning to go change. He wants to just have some clean clothes and a toothbrush. And they are so cute together. And I'm so happy we're finally here. And her bed looks so comfortable, and I just want to lay in it forever. <laughs> that com- that comforter looks amazing, and it's just so poofy and wonderful. You just want to be snoogled by George Clooney. I mean, there's no loss in that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They are both very beautiful people. Like the- there, there is no, there is no bad side to that situation. That's, that's extremely true. If okay, if we're talking season four, George Clooney, season one, George Clooney, not so much. That's true. No Caesar cut. <laughs> It's the little things, folks. It's really the little things that seal the deal. Um, but we're in. Uh, say, but we're in with some bangs. So we're one and uh, so we're one and zero this season, starting off. And uh, notable Alex Kingston and Maria Bello, Doctor Delamico, have been added into the credits. Yep. Justice for Georgia Fox, who never makes it into the main credits and has been on much longer yeah. than Maria Bello. <sighs> <sighs> who? <laughs> uh, uh, Maggie. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Never. I was. I. I thought 
thought first like there was some part of me that thought maybe she did but i went and checked and uh no she does never she never makes it into the main credits her whole time on the show which is crazy but uh in any event we go from there uh we find out carrie is now acting chief of emergency services which kind of is a little bit of a hierarchy leapfrog over mark but i also think she kind of just anointed herself that i don't know that anyone has actually given her that in any kind of official capacity considering morgan stern's high off his ass uh but <laughs> carrie has uh, already talked to morgan stern's doctor about his prognosis Mark seems to have no problem with her doing it. Uh, that's probably the other half of this equation is that Mark couldn't be, uh, couldn't care less about it. And uh, she has jumped right in on this new role, already asking Jerry for data. Uh, and then we also hear that they're interviewing for a new desk clerk. File this under, didn't think we were here yet. Like, knew this was coming in season four, did not realize it was season four, episode two coming. Yep. But uh, Jerry looks very suspicious about this. Uh, and while we're standing at the desk, Mark gets served papers. Ooh. What could this be? And then we uh, quickly cut out of that and go over to Doc Magoo's where we see Al flirting, keeping Jeannie company while she eats her breakfast. Keeps trying to neck her while she's eating, which kind of gross. Kind of gross, if Ugh. I'm being honest. Thank, thanks for not grabbing the audio on this. Uh, yeah, of course not. <laughs> they're, uh, but we do get a little bit of insight into the current situation with Al and Jeannie here where they're trying to figure out excuses for Al to get out of work early so he can get to his clinic appointment for his medication. So he's gotten into that trial from last season but he's having some trouble working around his uh, job. Ha hasn't told his job yet. Uh, is afraid he might get some retaliatory treatment if he does. So, Ugh. But we did grab the audio of the next scene for you, though. Uh, we are going up to the NICU, and we have some, some updates on little baby Reese. He's ready to come off of the vent. You want to extubate him today? It's been three weeks. I think he's ready. What about a trial of CPAP? He's almost at room air, setting at 99. He says that's good. No, I, I know it's good, Carla, but uh, he, he could end up back on a, a ventilator. That's very unlikely. I'll extubate him this afternoon. What's wrong with you, Peter? Why are you so against hearing good news? Carla, I just want to be sure. You haven't even wanted to give him a name, fixed a birth certificate. What? It's going to be baby boy Reese forever? Look. We weren't even sure if he was going to make it. But now we are. Yeah, but the next ultrasound of his brain could show bleeding. And a sky could be falling too, Peter. We need to get on with his life. Shout out to Carla. Actually here. Words I thought I'd never hear any of us <laughs> say, but yes. Yeah. Actually being the very reasonable and level-headed one. Yeah. Here. It's like, no, at some point we got to just move. Yeah. Hey, it's a new season. And it's a new day. Maybe we got some character growth for Carla. Maybe she's all better now. And she And she joked, but... She will, in fact, be little baby Reese forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, go Reese. Yep. And Way that, to fight. Yeah. I'm so excited that we're going to get more of him, like, developing over the next couple seasons. Like, yay. Um, there's a little boy with a broken arm, and Mom is saying that she is going to remove their bunk beds because that's how he fell off. And Anna's examining this kid, and while she is, Doug pops in, calls her out into the hall... And Anna's pissed that Doug calls her Anna in front of patients instead of Dr. Delamico. And as they're talking in the hallway, Doug notes that he wants her to work with more adults during her emergency residency instead of peds where she's comfortable. And she's just like, I can manage my own cases, thanks. Real icy. Not too happy with Doug at all today. And then Mark tells Carter that he has to run his cases by Doyle because... Carter is technically a first year and Doyle is technically a second year. So even though 
Carter has done more <laughs> in the past three seasons, he has to check everything by Doyle. You literally signed up for this, Carter. It's true. Um, so then we go up to the surgical floor uh, where Dr. Hicks thinks she's introducing uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Benton and Dr. Corday to each other for the first time. And Benton is going to go uh, show Elizabeth down around the ER. And uh, you want to break the bad news here, Daniel? Uh, one of the great ER injustices. After three plus seasons and 24 episodes, this nothing little interaction here where she... Uh, shuffles alex kingston into an elevator uh marks the final appearance of one cch pounder as dr hicks never to be seen again arguably i think the most egregious case of bobbing we have seen since bob herself like this is I'd, bad i'd say it's, agreed i'd say it's definitely up there for sure this is like bad. in the in, in episode two of the season yeah yeah, like, because you even, know by the time you know by the time we get to the end of the season, we're gonna have forgotten all about this. And when I when I mar- mark her as a Bob, you're gonna be like, oh shit, that was this season. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us again in twenty <laughs> twenty one weeks. One weeks. Yeah. But getting on to after we lose a character, we are introduced to a couple new characters. Um, one of whom will be much more prominent than the other one. But uh, let's. Listen to Carter and Dr. Delamico getting introduced to their med students. Ah, which one do you want? I don't really want either of them. I had plenty of students back at job. You choose. Let's just go along gender lines. I'll take the guy. Hi, I'm John Carter. This is Anna Delamico. Hi, Chastity Lee. Chastity? Uh, no, that would be as in Bono. No middle T, just Chastity. And I'm George Henry. Uh, okay. Uh, you'll be with me. Looking forward to finally doing my ER rotation. My dad's a trauma surgeon. I know there's going to be a lot of scut work, but I'm glad to finally start seeing some patients. Oh, uh, uh, John, I should probably mention that I'm not actually all that interested in working with patients. <laughs> Excuse me? I'm getting my MD, PhD. I finished my first two years of med school. I've been doing bench research for the past four years. Uh, patients just aren't all that helpful to my research. You haven't had any medical training in four years. You remember anything? About the pathophysiology of disease? How to do a physical exam? No, no, not really. No, I've, I've been doing brain research. Studying genetic markers for Angelman syndrome? Well, you may know it as happy puppets disease. It um, causes the afflicted to laugh inappropriately and to, to flap their hands like a, a puppet on a string. He was studying the Joker. <laughs> I... Yeah, con- continuing in the grand tradition of the pilot episode, we get two medical students here, uh, one of which uh, the female uh, half of the equation here will not be long for this world, uh, but the male half will stick around for at least a little while. Maybe not as long as Carter, but he will stick around for a little while. Uh, Chastity Lee and uh, George Henry. Chastity's played by actress Meredith Zinner, who appeared in stuff like the movie Aaron Brockovich and Law and Order SVU. This is one of her only two appearances, and I think her next one is next episode. So we are going to burn Chastity off real fast. Uh, and then George Henry here is played by Chad Lowe, Rob Lowe's brother, uh, who uh, appeared in stuff like uh, the movie Unfaithful, the TV series Life Goes On, uh, and this is his first out of only four appearances. I could have sworn he was in more. Right? I think I must be getting him confused with Dale. Like, because him and Dale have a similar trajectory in the sense that, like, they're they're around a little bit, but not that often. 
Um, but Dale has way more appearances than this guy does. Four appearances total, but it's four appearances through 2005. So I think he's going to burn off his. I think he's going to burn off his three uh, this season, and then he will go away for a long time, and then come back in season. Uh, yeah, because I remember he comes back like. He comes back like either as like a patient advocate or like he's doing yeah. research into a, with a patient something, into their disease, something or... like that. But it's it's very much like a look how far the student has come kind of deal with him yeah. and Carter. Like he's actually become a prominent researcher. Yeah, something like that. He's uh, fun. He is fun. I wish I we ki- had more. I want to. I want to yeah. kick him the whole episode, but he is he does it really well. That's the point. I know, <laughs> but uh. Um, but then we go into our first trauma, who is Ernesto Ruiz, and want to know whose films are those? It's been a while since I've gotten to say it, but whose films are those? <laughs> this you're... man just got wheeled it's in. It's been a while, aka one episode. Two. It was two episodes. There was none in the finale either. Oh, Thank there wasn't. you very oh, much. Oh, okay. All right. Well. No. So there. Um, but yeah. then, <laughs> but then he has a gunshot wound to the right chest, and Elizabeth is asking what kind of bullet he was shot with. Doyle goes ahead and estimates a 9mm semi-automatic. And of course she knows this because she's a gun nut. And Elizabeth's just like, wow, like a shooting. Like she's just so taken <laughs> aback by this. Yeah. Oh, our sweet summer child. I know. Little British sweet summer child, Elizabeth Corday. <laughs> and like, actually it's like, okay, this actually totally makes sense that Doyle would know all about this stuff and would be able to speak in such an expert yep. and... And would actually be able to assess this person's injuries a little more in a little more qualified fashion than anyone else. Yep. At least in the ER. Yep. Consistent character work. Go think. Yeah. Uh, so from there, uh, we see uh, Carter leading Henry down, saying, uh, "Now, when we get in there, don't do anything. Don't don't do anything. Just observe." And Henry immediately replies, "I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> like he doesn't want to be there. Like I really love the dynamic between these two. I really wish we had gotten more of a like." Laurel and Hardy routine between the two of them. It, it, I feel like there was a lot of like, a lot of gold in them their hills. Um, but uh, Carter tells him, you know, when there's a good case, you just show up, whether you're paged or not. Try to go in there and just try to help. And as soon, so he's trying to be Mister like Hotshot, you know, intern. Like I'm, I've been around. They like me here. Like they, I, I just show up even if I'm not paged. And as soon as they go in there, Benton and Doyle kick him out because there's too many people in the trauma already. So there's four doctors in here already. Get out. Yeah, there's four doctors in here. What is this? Season 13? Like <laughs> we talked we talked about this. <laughs> I mean, we did. We talked about that with uh, Ellen Crawford and uh, Mike. You know, they were talking about how it mm-hmm. changed over the years where in these early seasons, it was like maybe one or two doctors and then three or four nurses working on a patient. And then by the time you get into the later seasons, seasons, you know, 13, 14, 15, there'd be like four or five doctors working on a single patient in the trauma rooms. Like, got a little bit excessive. Uh, and... God damn it. Mark. Mark continues to do Mark things. And I wish that they weren't Mark things, but they are Mark things. Uh, Mark and Connie are working on a drunk woman. Uh, her name is Ethel Hayes, and she claims she doesn't drink. And... Uh, Carter's presenting her, and he sa- and Mark says if she looks like a drunk, she smells like a drunk... And she's a drunk. And Carter's making uh, Mr. Henry give uh, rectal meds. Yeah, and then Carter does a really shitty thing and, like, lays on the bed next to this, like, the mm-hmm. next bed over yeah. while his student's doing Puts the his work. Feet up. Yeah. It's like, come on, Carter. But um, do you think Carter would know how delicate 
rectal stuff can be, given his experience <laughs> when he did the first when he did it the first time, yeah. did stuff like that the first time in season one. But no, it's his turn to get to pick on a student. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of been his. That's kind of his theme. This whole episode is wanting to perpetuate that cycle of torture. Like he has no interest yep. in in breaking that cycle. He wants to, if anything, he wants to make it worse. Yep. Um, but then we have Lydia and the nurses complaining about how hot it is, and Halle says, um, like, they're talking about, you know, the new desk clerk hires, and they're talking about, like, oh, I wouldn't put many on, money on any of these people. And Jerry's like, you guys bet on me to get the job? And Halle's like, no, we didn't put any money on you when you were being interviewed. Like, no, fam. Um, how dare you? And then we we get to see some of the interviews with Carol and Mark running them, and the first woman that we see... Um, she's left nine other hospitals because they were all Im- like running on imprecision and she couldn't ha- like she was just like no I'm not gonna stand for that and she was like for example I got here at 1205 and the interview was supposed to start at 1215 it's now 1229 or whatever and Carol's like yeah we're running a little behind and the woman's like I'm not surprised <laughs> or whatever so just She's just almost running the interview with them, and it's very cute because she's like, "All right, guys, why don't you tell me about blah blah blah?" Just very stern, very to the point, and Carol and Mark just looking at each other, almost afraid of this woman. Yeah, and I mean, I'm afraid of this woman. She's fictional. She's very severe. Let me tell you. Um, and actually, I, I forgot to put it in the notes here, but I did want to remark because we have a kind of a rash in this episode of uh, side characters or patient actors or whatever who will be coming back to us as other characters in later seasons and this one is the first one uh so this uh character here mrs steinman is the desk clerk candidate uh, they're interviewing here she's played by actress peggy mannix who appeared in stuff like the out of towners seinfeld and uh a bunch of other stuff she's pretty prolific actress Um, but she like i said earlier she's one of uh several actors in this episode who will return to us as a character in a later season hers will be in 2002 so check back with her in uh season eight she'll be returning as somebody else all right. But we go out of there. We see uh, Jeannie with a little old lady named Mrs. Webb uh, in curtain two, claiming that her sister pushed her down the stairs. Um, and I remarked here, she's another one. This this is the only example of um, one of these kind of patients or actors in this episode where they're making another appearance as another character, but she's making her actually her second appearance. Um, so uh, this this little old lady here, Mrs. Webb, is played by actress Viola Stimson, who previously appeared in season one in the episode Motherhood, which I believe is the episode where um, little baby Susie is born. Mm-hmm. Um, she appeared in that episode as a patient named Ethel. Um, so she's returning here as another character. Uh, but she passes away in 2008 at the ripe old age of 101. So good on Damn. this lady. Then we have Benton and Corday are scrubbing in with Dr. Breedlove, who's coming back. And I love him so much. Um, and as they're scrubbing in, Benton says that Elizabeth needs to pay more attention in the surgery than she did in the trauma. And she actually, like, recognizes Dr. Breedlove's name. And it's like, oh, the, the you know, source of blah, blah, like the, the Breedlove maneuver or yeah, something. Yeah, the Breedlove like maneuver, <laughs> the Breedlove technique or whatever. And he goes, yeah. I guess, and then she's she's like shouting in Breed's Breed Love's ear, and it's very cute. And she sasses him, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't hear that." And then she sasses him right into his ear, so yeah. he can hear exactly what she said. And she's then she she gives Benton like this really like 
vindictive stare and like <laughs> and walks out of the room and it's so good there's a pairing i would have liked more of would be a, would be corday and dr breed love yeah that yes. was that was Fair. so good i loved her attitude there that was so fun um but then we have genie asks carter to do an h and p on mrs webb and carter pushes it on to henry that'll be fine mm-hmm. nothing can go wrong with that no woman claiming domestic abuse old lady you know clearly traumatized and yeah let's let a med student who doesn't want to be here do this yeah that's fine totally fine totally great and uh for our next scene here we have audio for you as well you may recognize if you're a lot if you're particularly a fan of law and order svu you maybe uh recognize a voice in this next year audio clip we don't really need your resume we've got your job application form really i know i have it here i just i know i do if you want, you can bring it back in a day or so. Oh, no, please. I know what that means. I'd like to interview now. Um, my name is Cynthia Hooper, and I'm originally from Joliet. My whole family's there, actually, although my parents have both passed on. Oh, so you have brothers and sisters? No, I don't have any brothers and sisters. Why don't you tell us about your job experience? Uh, uh, I mean, something that might apply to the job here. Uh, well, I've always been really good with people. Um, everyone's always said that about me. When I was the cashier at the Ford dealership, service and parts, I used to talk to all the customers while I was processing their bills. Is that what I'd be doing here, is handling the bills? Uh, we have a separate department for that. Oh, okay. Um, well, I have other skills. Telemarketing? Yes, I used to sell vitamins over the phone. That's kind of in the health field, isn't it? No, I guess it's not really, is it? They didn't even like me there. I, yeah. I, uh... Well, I got fired because I wouldn't sell the combo Vita pack to the old people that we were supposed to call. They didn't need vitamins. I mean, it was just too late for them. Oh, boy. Oh, it's like a so, train wreck. Yeah, I'll say, who is this train wreck of a person, oh, Daniel? Oh, boy. <laughs> Cynthia Hooper, uh, a.k.a. the first of our three nominees for worst character of season four in the season four wrap-up. Um, <laughs> uh, not wrong. Played by, uh, as Lizzie alluded to before the clip there, played by Law & Order SVU veteran Mariska Hargitay, making her first of 13 appearances this season. She will be with us through, um, I think, the midway, about the midway point of the season. She's not the whole yeah. season long. And, yeah, she's a very divisive character, to say the least. Uh, not very well-liked among the ER fandom, for sure. Yeah, I'm solidly in the I do not like her and her and Mark specifically. Yeah, her and Mark are a bit of a disaster. It gets really weird. I, I will say, though, I think with – I think – Mariska Hargitay, I think, as as Cynthia elevates the character somewhat because she is just a very good actress, and I do find myself being more sympathetic towards her because of that. Like I find, you know, she yes, she has some very annoying traits just as a character, um, and she clearly has uh, suffers from a chronic lack of chill. Uh, but she she comes off as very sympathetic because of the way that Mariska Hargitay plays her. So I'll be but interested yeah. to see how that evolves. But still, Cynthia Hooper is a walking dumpster fire of a character. She, she's a bit of a hot mess. That's that. That's yeah. undeniable. 
maybe dumpster fire is the wrong word, but she's just but, yeah, she just has a lot going on in a walking a walking calamity. There you <laughs> yeah, go. A little bit. Oh boy. Um so then we go from there. We we get Doug's next patient handling a little boy in respiratory distress. Uh, unfortunately, the parents and the boy only speak Spanish, and the translator is uh, nowhere to be found. So Doug's just kind of struggling his way through. Uh, the I did note here that the father uh, of the boy is a little bit of an oh hey it's that guy Lizzie you may recognize this gentleman. Uh, unfortunately, he does not have his signature uh, Super Mario mustache that would make him much more recognizable. But he's played by actor Valente Rodriguez, who you may recognize from the movie Volcano, in which he was the uh, subway operator who the guy sinks into the lava trying to save oh like the white guy the white guy guy goes into the train to to rescue this guy with the one yeah okay and so then he like makes the heroic throw of like and then jumps into the lava and then like slowly (laughs) sinks as he's screaming the whole time and it's one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie yeah yeah yeah, i recognize him lauren pulled up a picture and i was like okay yeah now yeah with the mustache with the mustache much more recognizable uh he also had a long running role on the uh, george lopez show second week in a row we've managed to have a george lopez connection in these one of these episodes let's see how long we can keep that going uh, then we go from there to Mark and Carol discussing the desk clerk candidates. And then we get this really weird uh, return here where Heather, uh, one of his trio of lady friends from last season, played by Caitlin Delaney, uh, just pops in and they have this like awkward conversation. And I was like, what fucking multiverse did we pull her out of? Like, what? Why did why did we need to bring her back? I don't think that was necessary. And I look too; she'll be in the next episode as well. So like. There's clearly going to be some sort of resolution to that whole thing, but I like of all the plot threads to to dredge up, like why did we need to bring her back? I'm not sure why. Um, but then we see Mark examining a young woman who fainted. Uh, she's played by actress Danielle Harris, uh, who you uh, may recognize from movies like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Halloween Four, and The Last Boy Scout. And then we go back over to Carter. He wants to run a few more tests on Ethel because he doesn't think it's alcohol causing her slurred speech and. Mark continuing to do mar- shitty Mark things. It's just like turf her, let her sleep it off, discharge her, get her the fuck out of here. Just get her a it. get her a banana bag. Don't pay any attention to her. Just get her gone. Yeah. Yikes. Mark, my I know dude. You, I know you. Were, people would really rather just be an asshole than go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Still, still, even into season four. Um, then we have Benton is up in the NICU as they take Reese off the ventilator. Yay! Yay! He's four pounds and ten ounces already. And yay, it's an actual baby. <laughs> it's not a scary latex doll anymore. Very cute baby, um, too. Yes. Precious baby Reese. Then we have Carter cannot find his student anywhere. This bodes well. And we find out Henry is gargling with Listerine into the water fountain. Ugh. Like, you can't even go into the bathroom and do that in a sink, my dude. Mm. And it's just like he spits it all over that water fountain. It's disgusting. In the age of COVID, I I winced a little. <laughs> um, Jeannie and Carter give him some shit because he listed all 20 of her complaints. And he's like, what? She said them, so I wrote them down. And Carter says, if the patient lists more than three complaints, there's probably nothing wrong. And also, because they're on the chart, Jeannie and Carter will now have to make sure all of them are evaluated for. Uh, You know, Carter, this is your own goddamn fault. 
He said he doesn't know how to do anything. Ugh. Literally nothing. I... He was totally on house with you. And yet, here we are. Yeah, if you don't supervise the kid. Can't hey. be mad. Exactly. Is it time for is it time for Lucy Knight yet, please? The be- the much better med student. Uh, still um, got a full year, I think, to go before we get there. I know, yeah. Uh, anyway, but for now we go. Uh, Carol is talking with the one is talking with the young woman that fainted from earlier. She's very dehydrated, and uh, Carol notices that you know upon examination that the girl's tooth enamel is eroded. So uh, probably has some uh, eating disorder stuff going on there. Yeah, the minute she said that, I was like, oh, okay, this is a bulimia situation. And we go from there over to uh, Dr. Delamico. She's calling Carter and Henry down to help her evaluate a patient. An older gentleman speaking in like full stream of consciousness. Very. This is one of the more sympathetic patients in this episode. I have uh, this. This guy broke. Just breaks your heart. Um, he's unable to figure out where he is. They picked him up uh, just wandering the street. They're waiting on a CT before they go and get the psych consult on him. And Henry goes off on this suspected diagnosis based on a bunch of neuro stuff, proving that he is actually competent. He's just not really like suited for patient care, much, much better suited for research. Um, and uh, our patient here is named Oliver. He's played by actor James T. Callahan, who appeared in uh, stuff like the sitcom Charles in Charge, as well as the show Knight Rider. He had a hundred. He's our high water. Uh, oh, hey, it's that guy for this episode. Had 159 credits dating back all the way to 1958. Um, and he's another Damn. he's another frequent flyer, too. He will be returning to us in a couple of years in 2000 as another character. Uh, and he does pass away in 2007. Uh, two things. One he is from grand rapids michigan so michigan represent there you go two can i talk about the weird um experience i had with this particular patient sure situation um so fam this is the weirdest thing that has ever happened in the history of us doing this show so far (laughs) i was convinced when we were watching this that this patient was from an episode like two seasons ago I could have sworn, like, the whole stream of consciousness, everything from his performance. I was like, we already saw this. Nothing from nothing else from the episode looks familiar to me in that, like, in that striking of a sense. Mm-hmm. I texted Daniel, and I was like, guys, have we seen this guy already? Because, like, this has happened. So, I still feel that way. I know it hasn't, but I still feel like this already happened two seasons ago. So, I'm losing my <laughs> mind. Are we all? Yeah, but this is a really vivid one, and I'm Fair really enough. over it. Um, so Chuni comes in to translate for Jesus's parents, and this is Doug's cough patient. So they're finally, hopefully, going to get some answers about his treatment history and, you know, how sick he's actually been. And then we have social worker Thomas Anders talking to Mrs. Webb as they take her up to radiology. And Mrs. Webb is yelling for Jeannie's help with keeping her out of her sister's place. And it's like, Jeannie, please, Jeannie, please don't let me go back. Mm. Like, please, I'll be good. Just really, really a mess. And uh, the social worker here, uh, Thomas Anders, uh, he's another one of our frequent flyers, uh, played by actor Jackie Milanis. And he will be returning to the show in 1999 as another character. So we got three now, I think, by by my count. Three different characters in one episode. So much for Troy Evans. Theory. I know. There's been a, like it seems like there has been a rat because we had a few last week too. Like it seems like we're on a bit of a run of people making returns. Cousin Troy, what are you doing, baby? 
Maybe in the later seasons they adhere to it more when he was on the show. Who knows? They were pretty solid about it in uh, the first three seasons. I didn't I didn't find too many people who would be returning as separate characters. There'd be people who'd return as the same character, but people returning the same actor playing multiple roles didn't happen very much. With one very obvious exception. We're not going to talk about uh, it. Exactly. Moving on. Uh, Carter, with a little bit of malicious compliance here, uh, is taking Ethel up for an MRI because she's still not improving, and Doyle agreed with the course of action. So he presented to Doyle, right. and she said, go for it. Burr, burr, burr. But Mark is super pissed off because he just wants this woman gone. But Carter's like, I did what I did what you asked. I I ran it by Doyle, and we're good. Easy there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I did it. But then Carrie thinks that they need to interview more people after talking to Carol. And Mark's not too happy about this situation. Um, but Henry is nowhere to be found again. Carol tells Mark the 18-year-old girl is bulimic. Mark just wants to rehydrate her and ship her to psych. Carol's like, well, Mark, can you talk to her? Like, you might be able to do some good. She doesn't necessarily want to go to psych. And the eating disorder clinic doesn't have an appointment for seven, what was it, seven days, seven weeks? Seven weeks, weeks seven, I think. Weeks, it was seven yeah. weeks. Yeah, seven weeks was what was crazy. Um, and as Carol's talking to Mark about this patient, Mark sasses her for going to Carrie about the desk clerk interviews. So Mark's just being a dick all around. Why are you even in the hospital? You're helping no one. Go home. Like, I know Mark's recovering from his whole traumatic incident thing, but I really just want to punch him in the face again. Yeah. He's, uh... Like, dude, this is... We get it. You had a... Uh, I'm so angry with this version of Mark. Yeah. And, like, I know he pulls out of this tailspin, because my favorite character in the entire show is in there somewhere... This is not him, though. He'll get there. He'll get there. I know, I know, I know. And uh, Dr. Delamico is reviewing the chart for Oliver, and Henry's estimate was correct re, uh, about the lesions on the brain. Mm-hmm. So Henry's good for something. There's a tumor on the right side of his... Uh, Henry, oh, Not Henry. Um, Oliver has a uh, tumor on, the, on his right side of his brain. But then Carter finds Henry doing research up in the lab instead of being down in the ER where he needs to be. And Carter, in peak um, Noah Wiley fashion, keeps trying to touch stuff and getting his hands essentially slapped away. Like, no, that's radioactive. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. You'll break that. Stop it. Don't do that. And Carter's just clearly out of his element up here. Then we are going to go for our next audio. We're going to go back up to the NICU once again. Uh... Carla and Benton need to discuss the topic of uh, the birth certificate. Hey, did you feed him yet? I got stuck in the OR. No, Tabish says I can't try until this evening. Good. I thought I was going to miss the first time. Listen, um, I'm on tonight, but uh, Paige may not come straight up. How's he doing? He's doing great. But they're asking for a name. Gotta get this birth certificate straightened out. Yeah, I guess we have put it off a bit, huh? We? No. I had no idea you could be so superstitious. Yeah, well, <laughs> neither did I. So what are we gonna do? Are we gonna flip a coin, Reese or Benton? Carla. We talked about it and we said it was gonna be Benton. It's easier for the insurance. We already talked about it, but we definitely did not agree on it, Peter. And that insurance reason is an excuse. You know, you just want your boy to have his daddy's last name. So what's wrong with that? <laughs> what's wrong with him having his mama's name? I'm the one that's going to get up in the middle of the night, feed him, change him, rock him back to sleep. Carla, I can do that too. 
So you're just gonna move into my apartment now? Look, I know we haven't talked about it. No, we haven't, because you kept acting like this day was never gonna come. He needs a family. Is that what you think we are? Look, I mean, you know, we don't have to formalize things. If there wasn't a baby in the picture, would you see the two of us as a family? It's okay, Peter. I don't either. Don't you always wish you had melancholy score behind you when you don't want to answer awkward questions? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want to know with how my week has been this week, what my score would have been yesterday in particular with the work day I had. Just been yakety sacks. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> uh, no, but I love Carla here. I love Carla in this episode. Ca- and I'm not ashamed the to Carla say Carla Reese it. rehab fair. tour is off and running. Touring with Al yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the one guy who voted for Al Belay for most improved character in season two or season three. What happens next? So from there, we get our next uh, trauma victim coming in a 22 year old female gunshot wound victim. Uh, Corday. We actually get to see Corday kind of flex some, some trauma muscles here. Uh, she's shocked that this is the second GSW in one day. Oh, you sweet, sweet summer, sweet summer British child. Uh, and her Britishisms for medical jargon are causing some confusion with the uh, rest of the staff. And uh, as things are reaching kind of peak chaos, she just kind of calms everybody down, asks for peace and quiet, and for somebody to, quote, bleep Benton. Uh, and Carol correctly guesses that uh, bleep Benton is code for Paige. Paige Benton. Yeah, that's really cute. Carol's like, it's Paige. It's Paige, right? I got it. Yeah, I'll get him. Great. <laughs> so, Oh, it's so precious. Um, but then... A woman rounds the corner screaming, and this is Jesus's mom from earlier because Jesus is on a gurney, vomiting blood and not doing so great at all. It's really disgusting how much blood they have on this kid's shirt and everything. It's it's really well done, but ugh. So something was clearly wrong with his evaluation. Um, and Benton arrives in the GSW trauma, and he just kind of sassy says to Elizabeth and is like, I guess you were paying attention. She's like, always. Because it's like, Benton, she's not an idiot. She's just British. Like, calm down. She understands what you're saying. It's just done a little differently. Like, I don't know where he got the impression she wasn't paying attention. I think because in that first trauma, she was more, she seemed to be more interested in the gun stuff and kind of marveling at that whole like oh the people americans they have guns here like just seem to be more interested in that than the yeah than what he would normally be interested in um but she just has a different approach and we're we're already putting these two on a collision course love love to see that hooray they're cute together they are a uh, hot take they do have, uh, hot they have take really i fun. prefer them to mark and uh lizzie <gasps> but uh, we'll have that fight when it's- we get there it's okay to be wrong. It's they fine. they do have some great chemistry, especially here, though, for sure. Yeah. If there's anything our group chat has taught us, it's it's okay <laughs> today. It's been it's okay to be wrong. Um, then we go back down to the ER. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Webb's sister turns out died in 1984. Hmm. So she also the woman also yeah Mrs. Webb also said that claimed that Jeannie tried to smother her with a pillow. Yeah. Uh, social worker says she's likely borderline personality, but that psych won't take her until her medical workup is done, which there's still eight more tests that she's waiting on because of Henry's 
uh, I don't want to say aggressive charting, but thorough, yeah, thorough, thorough charting. Uh, but we then we see Henry uh, searching for Carter, asking him why he keep, keeps on paging him. And we also find out that Jesus has whooping cough. That's, I guess, the source of all the blood. And uh, Carter did an LP on Ethel, the uh, suspected drunk from earlier, and it shows that she actually has multiple sclerosis. Not She's not a drunk. So fuck you, Mark. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Mark, we go into uh, the restroom with uh, Doug and Mark um, talking about uh, that, that little uh, envelope that Mark got earlier. Hey. I'm now officially having a bad day. One non-puking kid I had almost died of whooping cough. Well, I'm ready for a drink. You want to join me? Uh, I can't. What's your bad day? Remember Chris Law? Oh, yeah. The, um, his brother died, the basketball player, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what the process server was about this morning. He and his family are slapping me with a malpractice suit. Yeah, it's a great world, huh? First he beats me up, and then he serves me. Chris Law didn't beat you up, did he? The police said he had an airtight alibi. That's what the police said. But you don't believe him, huh? I don't know. I would just like to point out that uh, Doug and Mark here are not observing uh, appropriate urinal spacing guidelines. Uh, there is a row of urinals there, and they choose to stand right next to each other and pee. Not cool. Not cool at all. Violates se- no. several <laughs> several chapters of the bro code. Like at least one urinal of space at all times. Always, 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 always. I'm uh, glad this is one thing I never have to worry about experiencing ever. It was always super awkward. Yeah. Are you glad that that part of your life is behind you? Yes. That you don't have to go deal with urinals anymore? Yeah, I am very glad. Good. Although it's still weird when some woman takes the stall right next to mine when there's like eight other in the row. Oh yeah, that that code also applies to stalls. I still, I still immediately stalls. think I still. I still immediately think of that. Can I ask you one question? Yeah. As someone who's been behind enemy lines. Um, <laughs> I'm transgender. Yes. You can say this. No, but I just really felt was... like using that term. Um, <coughs> that got me. Are are women's restrooms chattier or is it just me and my family? <laughs> uh, yes, they are. Okay. Yeah. No, no dude in the history of the world has ever gone into a bathroom and started a conversation. Ever. Like that is a hundred percent. That's the, that is the unspoken code, and it literally is an unspoken code. You walk in there, and unless no. somebody is dying, you don't say a fucking word. And even if somebody's dying, you just calmly walk out the door and go dial nine one one. Yeah. Lizzie, Lizzie gets so frustrated with me because like we'll be at the movie theater or something. We'll be in the middle of a conversation. We'll go into the bathroom. I'll just keep talking like there's nothing going on, and Lizzie is just like, "Can you not?" Like, I, I have to make a conscious effort to make this conversation can be picked up when we leave. Don't talk to Lizzie in the bathroom. Yeah. I'm just like... You sociopath? What are you doing? I mean, like, it's, it's, I, it's, my, it's the old social norms that were conditioned into me from so many years using men's restrooms. And also, a bit of voice dysphoria. So. And that's fair. And I've, I've gotten better about it in recent yeah. years. But it was it's something we've had to talk about several times. She's like, why do you and your family need to talk in the bathroom all the time? I'm like, we got a lot to say. <laughs> Just like how you've out. met my you've met my you've met my mom and sister yeah. we were we were an all women household growing up it's just i go to the bathroom i go in there with one goal in mind i go in there to use the restroom <laughs> yeah to wash my hands and get the hell out of there that's three goals but <sighs> do the business yeah. is just the one is the, the, one the overarching goal the, the uh, bottom line here is stop talking you freak like that's the that's yeah. the bottom yeah. line here 
We're getting way too in the weeds about bathroom etiquette. Have you yeah. met me? Can I ever stop talking? Yeah. But yeah, so Mark doing a, a casual racism here. Yep. Oh, yeah, it must be the black guy that, obviously, uh, couldn't be anyone else. Mark. That's what the, the police say and, is an airtight alibi, but no, it was him. And is this just me calling out the, the like, not doing a racism where Doug tries so hard to not say, oh, the black kid? Where he's like, oh, the basketball uh, player, the guy who's the basketball brother. Player, yeah, yeah like, he, do, he does he, sort he of he does it. sort of uh, do the internal policing there, where he's like, how can I say yep. this? Yeah, yeah, he does do a little bit of that. Well, because you know, Doug has learned from his own internalized right. racism. Doug has actually in the begin- earlier. Seasons. Doug is experiencing growth, something Mark is unfamiliar with. Yeah, yeah, Doug has moved on. Ay, ay, ay. So we go from there to the lounge where we see uh, Delamico and Carter uh, discussing their paychecks. What? I thought Carter wasn't getting a paycheck. Hmm. hmm. So as they walk out, uh, and they kind of commiserate over the, uh, at least on Anna's part, kind of commiserating over the, the, <laughs> the paltry nature of the paycheck. She says she es- estimates that she'll have about four bucks left once all her bills are paid. And uh, Carter walks out, thanks uh, Carrie for the check as he's walking by and, uh, you know, says... I know we had agreed that I'm not going to get paid, but the fact that you decided to pay me anyway really means a lot. And she's like, "Ugh, yeah, about that, fam. Uh, I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to need you to sign that back over to county every single week. Like this wasn't just like a payroll error where he's going to get it one time and then never again. No, you have to do this every single week. Yikes. 52 weeks, Mr. John Carter. This internship just keeps getting better and better for my boy. And yeah. oh, speaking of getting better, what else? Yeah, there? so I don't think we've mentioned this yet. There's been this kind of like background CD thing going on uh, where this guy with a, uh, I guess what's supposed to be like a Geiger counter, like a, a radioactive measuring tool, is going around and checking things for radioactivity. And he happens to uh, come upon Carter's shoes as a radioactive hotspot. And so. Uh, radioactive man here asks for Carter's very expensive shoes because they've been exposed to uh, radioactive material in uh, Henry's lab. And Carter is incredulous at this. And everyone's like, no, give me your shoes, Carter. Do you know how expensive these are? I think it's, uh, I think this person is down there as part of Carrie's call to action on to actually get, you know, with the polling, the data that from earlier with yeah. Jerry. I think it's just another extension of that, like getting them all up to code and getting them all up to getting all the paperwork that Morgan Stern has uh, respectfully neglected. <laughs> uh, but then we go back up uh, to the NICU once more and, ah, uh, and ah, Reese's nursing on from Carla. Yay. Yay. Um, Happy baby. You love to see it. And then also it has been decided his name is officially Reese Benton. Aww. But then Cynthia, from the interview earlier, comes out to talk to Mark. It turns out that she'd been waiting in Doc Magoo's, like, all day, and then came out to talk to him like a freaking creep and apologizes for the interview. Um, they clumsily smoke their cigarettes together, and Mark, weirdly enough, tells her she got the job. No one agreed to that. It hasn't been discussed anywhere. It's nowhere in writing for her. He's just like, yeah, you can start next week. What the fuck? Cool, uh, man. Real professional. Great job, Mark. Very good manager. A+. Plus. And we uh, wrap up the episode with an adorable scene. Doug is sitting on Carol's porch with a beer, and she brings him a, a big wrapped present, 
and it's one of the drawers out of her dresser (laughs) and we get so just little note get just a little sneak peek into her into her house her house looks a lot less dilapidated since the last time we saw it. that door looks great yeah and like the the interior hallway actually look looks painted and well put yeah. together the, and... the bedroom we didn't mention it at the top but like her bedroom when they uh had that first scene together there's like actual drywall up in the bedroom with like joint compound on they're clearly yeah. her house is one of the better marks of continuity in this whole show like honestly the low-key carol's house is one of the hallmarks of continuity of early season er where like it actually goes through a growth arc of its own and i'm here for it but yeah, very, very cute moment. And then as the episode fades out, we get this weird, I mean, it's not weird. It's just, it's weird in the sense that I was not able to find any information on it whatsoever. The episode is uh, dedicated to somebody named Quincy Wilson. And usually when there's these dedications, you can go on and find at least some nugget of information as far as, you know, it was a maybe one of the actors, family members, or one of the crew member or something. I could find nothing about this. I couldn't even find anybody asking about it. So complete mystery. If anybody knows, please, please let me know. You just got to put up a forum post, and then you'll be the person asking. I guess so, yeah. There you go. On some, like, dead ER fan page forum or something (laughs) like that, and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? So how do we feel about this one, gang? Solid. Solid. Solid setup episode. I think it's the quintessential, since we didn't really get it last last episode, it's the quintessential setup for for your season. You introduce a lot of the main repeating characters. You introduce a lot of different storylines and i you know i i like it they remind us a little more thoroughly of kind of where everybody is as the season's being established yeah yeah definitely more of an establishing episode last week was uh kind of beholden to the gimmick a little bit uh you know which was still it was good in its own way but it didn't really serve um much of a purpose as far as setting up the season as a whole beyond uh introducing uh elizabeth um but it's good to see her in kind of a more standard ER format here. Like I'm, I'm still shocked and saddened that we don't get more of uh, Chad Lowe as Henry. Like, I think he, I think him and Carter could have been a really underrated pair. Like I would have liked to have seen him at least make it, make it through the whole season uh, with him. Yeah. I could have sworn he was in more than four episodes, four episodes total. Like I knew he came back on later, but like, Jesus. Yeah. Really, really wild. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's definitely a lot of stuff to like here, but, uh, it, it is definitely a kind of a grunt work episode. It's stuff that's laying, laying the groundwork for stuff that's going to be with us throughout the rest of the season. So we're, we're not quite into the heart, heart pounding stuff of the season just quite yet, but, uh, you need yeah. ones like these. We'll get there. We'll get there. For real. We have one of the highest rated episodes in the entire series this season. Ooh. So, which I don't remember at all. Which I like, I want to go watch that episode is it, now. Um, it's Exodus. Yes, it's later. It's like that's mid-season. gonna that's gonna be a little bit of a strange one to watch in current times because it involves a lockdown, like a, a quarantine. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, yeah, okay. I, I do remember that one just from going through and doing some um, some of the layout stuff. I had I had cherry picked that episode as one that gave me some solid views of the ER itself, kind of the the, the lay of the land, and yeah, it's a good. Yes. I, it is a good one. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Okay. And Lauren, uh, why don't we let hear from a couple of our listeners, see what they thought of this one. All right. First off, I want to apologize to Michelle K because you gave us so much good content and I'm guaranteed to mess up some of it. But Michelle says, I remember thinking that Carter was a bit of a prick and Maggie seemed to relish in having authority over him, which seemed way out of character for her. 
but I did find Chad Lowe's Henry to be extremely annoying and incompetent. Happy Puppets disease, which is a real thing and it's not pleasant looking as he makes it sound, and that serves as foreshadowing in future seasons. He's the perfect example of what do you call a med student who gets only C's. Doctor. (laughs) Can we talk about how absolutely cringeworthy Cynthia is? Maybe it's because I didn't realize it was Mariska Hargitay until I went back to rewatch after I was watching SVU. But damn, Cynthia, pull your shit together, sweetie. Olivia Benson <laughs> will not stand for this. Also, fun fact, Mariska Hargitay played a walk-on role on in Seinfeld when Jerry and George were auditioning Elaine for their pilot, and she made a disparaging remark about all the bald men in the mm. hallway. Mm. And then... Zoe M. also says, The number of times they have Elizabeth say, How do you do? hurts me. I'm English and don't think I've ever actually said it in a real life context. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gathering from this that the Britishisms were a little bit over the top re- for Elizabeth in the first couple Really got to drive that point home for the viewers at home. She's British. Don't forget that she's British. <laughs> but yes, thank you listeners so much. We really, we really look forward to getting to read these on the show and it helps kind of add to how we look at the show as we're recording each week. So thank you for continuing. Yeah, and again, I usually, I usually post these in the Facebook group. Um, and if you, if you're following along in our Facebook group, you'll realize that we are a few weeks ahead in recording. So like by the time you're hearing this, we are probably on episode five or six in the season uh, as you're listening to this. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on the Facebook group. I usually post uh, the call for responses uh, post. I usually post that around like Sunday or Monday of the week that we're going to be recording. So um if you don't see it, just scroll down a few posts. Uh, you'll probably find it. I'm also starting to post these uh, on Twitter, on our Twitter account as well, uh, because I know not everybody's on Facebook. So uh, if you're not on Facebook, uh, check it out over on Twitter. Reply to the tweet. Um, same thing. I'll usually try to post them around Sunday or Monday of the week that we're recording. And uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts uh, as we go along. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today, though. So thank you all very much for listening. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll, we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie reviews, where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. Uh, I think we that one for the librarian Mm -hmm. starring noah wiley should be up at this point so uh for better or worse it's up here is tearing apart yeah if you want to hear us tearing apart a shitty movie for an hour oh boy do we have the episode for you um we'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts we are at set the tone er on twitter we are on facebook at facebook.com slash setting the tone podcast and we are at setting the tone podcast on instagram also be sure to check out the official setting the tone community on facebook our theme music as always is provided to us by andrew edwards of blue police box music and daniel where can folks find you at they can find me on instagram at dan.u that is y-o-u dot e-l they can also find me on my other podcast the popular court with my co-host jake terrell where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial and lauren where can folks find you at folks can find me on my personal twitter at lobob92345 full of cats video games and memes and also on the popular court youtube and twitch whenever i am awake and remember that i should post some content for animal crossing there you go uh and i'm also on twitter i am at random gamer that's jm3r as well as also on the popular courts youtube channel doing a let's play of pokemon shield 
Uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Thank you.